It's the January 17th, 2020 episode of Weekly Signals Meltdown, broadcasting from Studio A at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. And as always, the biggest deal anyone has ever seen, Mahler, the fake news dog. Thank you, Mahler. Thank you for, yes, for being you. Today we'll be talking about the ginkgo biloba tree. Yeah, wow. Floating wind farms. Yeah, Mahler likes it. <laughs> Squirrels and more. But first, I bought this new scented candle. Oh, right? did yeah, you now? Yeah, we got here. Okay. Yeah. You like it? Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just yeah. a white candle. Yeah, it's, it's a, a white one, candle, but, but I, I... But it costs $75. Wow. $75. It's a very special candle. I'd like to light it. Uh-huh. And then I'd like you to kind of give a little sniff. You, you wouldn't, would you mind? Yeah. Please. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just get out you those matches. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I gotta get those. Here we go. Oh. Nah, here we go. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wait, no, hold on. Hold on, let me... Let me... Ooh, what is that smell? What is... What is that smell? Yeah, it, it's, it's, it smells funny, gorgeous, it's sexy, <laughs> and beautifully unexpected, with geranium, mm-hmm. oh yeah, citrusy bergamot, oh yeah, and cedar absolutes, just opposed with the misk rose <laughs> and ambrette seed. Oh, I, I, yeah, I'm picking up on all that, yeah. but there's something else. What Something is, else about Mahler? the candle, Mahler. Mahler's kind of an expert in this in this area of smell. Yeah. What's that? What? I can't say that on TV, let alone radio. From Harvard's Bazaar, through her wellness platform, Goop. Goop. G O O P. Goop. Gwyneth Paltrow introduced the concept of vaginal steaming, jade vaginal eggs, and of course, sex dust moon juice. <laughs> Now, new for January 2020, the This Smells Like My Vagina Candle from Goop. <laughs> it's sold out. It's sold out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I got the last vagina. Well, there you go. Uh, Paltrow's uh, vagina products have landed her in hot water in the past. Is that because she's steaming? <laughs> it could be. Yeah. It could be because she's steaming. She it. is steaming. Yeah. Yeah. In September 2019, Goop paid a $145,000 settlement in a lawsuit over its vaginal eggs. The website had made unproven claims that the jade egg and the rose quartz egg could balance hormones, regulate menstrual cycles, prevent uterine prolapse, and increase bladder patrol. Bladder patrol, bladder control. Mm-hmm. No, that would be good. I I would like to belong to the bladder uh, patrol myself. <laughs> but the Orange County District Attorney's Office, right here in Orange County, yeah. thought otherwise. Did they? Yeah, here, but, right here, right here. They were checking Gwen out. Eventually, the California Food, Drug, and Medical Device Task Force decided that Paltrow's egg claims weren't based on scientific evidence. So you're, what you're saying to me, uh, if I understand this correctly, <laughs> yeah. is that in the world of advertising and products that yeah. are of uh, marginal use to most people, yeah. that people sometimes make wildly exaggerated claims? That's right. What? That's right. Why would they do that? I, I have don't no idea. know. 
that seems all I know is unethical. this candle smells magnificent. It's well, I, worth every penny of oh, that seventy-five dollars. Yes. I love I, what a marketing. Think about it from the perspective of someone walking down the aisle at. Uh, I don't know, Walmart or Costco or something. Yeah. And they look over. They're not going to see uh, this. Uh, uh, well, this it's $75 like a yeah, candle yeah. at Costco. So, $75 a crack, so to speak. It's called This Smells Like My Vagina. That's what I said. Now, yeah, I know you did. And I just want to make sure people understand. I'm kind of curious about the candle holder in this particular. <laughs> I'm just kind of wondering how that works. Well, I'm Is there a it specific right now. kind of candle holder for This Smells Like My Vagina? I'm wondering yeah. if Mahler came out with a candle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would it be? Would it be a, a personalized candle or, you know? Or... Uh, well, oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this smells like my poop. That's how he could come up with. Which isn't uh, bad. I yeah. mean, that's what dogs generally yeah. smell. This smells like my tail. Enough of this. Yeah. From the next web, a team of researchers identified several new properties of the human brain that could explain how our unique intelligence and consciousness emerges. Oh, this is such a fascinating little story. Yes. Yeah. Emerges. Emerges. Not merges, but emerges. emerges. It comes, yes. comes out. Our consciousness emerges. You know, Mike, science doesn't know why we are the most intelligent creatures on Earth. Yeah. Including Mahler. <laughs> <laughs> they, he they struggles don't. with that concept every day. Yeah, I yeah. know you do. I know. The cerebral cortex is the busiest, most complex part of the human brain. <laughs> Within its layers, scientists have found a thicker tissue area than most animals, including Mahler. <laughs> the researchers took a look at how brain activity manifests in the second and third cortical layers, and what they discovered appears to be confirmation that our individual neurons can perform functions once thought impossible. impossible. Right. Uh, so they, apparently the, the belief was that our neurons were kind of single-purpose sort of entities. Yeah. And now they're finding in this study that they are actually able to perform many functions yeah. almost simultaneously. Yeah. They're almost like encoded. So that right. When you get one signal, it can mean multiple signals. Right. Yeah. yeah, really. The human brain is a neural network that sends and receives information from point to point where different neurons work on different parts of a problem, like you said. For example, when we perceive something, our brain has to decide if it's near or far, big or small, or red or sex dust moon juice, <laughs> stuff yes. like that. Yes. Animals and insects can perform these kinds of calculations too, but the way humans do it is believed to be unique. This is the distinguishing characteristic for human beings. Well, it's at least one. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but I know our ability... Besides the fact that we don't crawl around on all fours and howl all the time, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, there is that, too. <laughs> yeah. uh, In the study, researchers took a deeper look at the branching connections between our brain's neurons. They discovered that individual neurons in the human brain can perform calculations that we'd previously assumed were the result of a lot of neurons networked together, mm -hmm. like you said. Mm -hmm. Basically, the researchers figured out that the human brain can modulate the amplitude of electrical activity in order to increase the longevity and efficacy of its signals. This allows individual neurons to do more than just figure out if something is A or B. Mm -hmm. It allows them to encode information, something previously thought impossible for a single neuron in the human brain. So there. Yeah. Just like you said. Yeah. I mean, the idea, I think, of consciousness, the, the ability of... 
of human beings to understand the world around them and mm-hmm. put sort or at of least all, try try to yeah. right and to put some sort of order to it the fact that we bury our are dead the fact that we have a sense of humor the fact that we understand our some small way our place in the universe is probably something that is not understood by Mahler yeah I, I know Mahler yes <laughs> I think he understands some of those things well he, he understands off there he understands good boy and cookie that's those are the things I think that he, he understands generally, his place in the universe yeah, I'm Mahler I was kidding you know I was yeah. just having some fun here man that smells nice yeah it does yeah. Mahler oh, yeah. Gwyneth I don't know where that comes from, but well, I think we have an idea saying. where it yeah, comes yeah. from. But at least I don't. It, yeah. I don't think she's really telling the truth about oh, okay. that. Well, I think she's making that up. All right. You know. Yeah. She, they're sitting around there just yeah, spitballing. Yeah. And she how about says, this? How about my vagina? <laughs> from Science Magazine, researchers have now created a form of concrete that not only comes from living creatures, but given the right inputs, can multiply on its own. Yeah. We now have concrete that can procreate. Yeah. <laughs> we have a theme going on here. Yes, I we think. do. We do. The new material could soon lead to building components that can heal themselves when damaged or even offer Mars-bound astronauts a way to build structures from Martian material and a few microbes that they tag along with them. You know, they bring these microbes up there. Yeah. Then they find some Martian stuff. And they stick add, it together. And add water. And, yeah. The new concrete is the latest addition to the burgeoning field of engineered living materials, or ELMs, where organisms, typically bacteria, yeah. are added to inanimate materials to enable them to sense, communicate, and even respond to their environments. Once again, the microbial bacterial world is showing us a way forward. Yeah. The living bricks under the right conditions, which included relatively high humidity, not only survived, but reproduced. After the researchers split the original brick in half and added extra sand, hydrogel, and nutrients, the uh, cyanobacteria grew in six hours into two full-size bricks. After three generations, they had eight bricks. Yeah. I'm saying something that I know is not true, but you could literally grow your own house. Yeah. Under the right circumstances. Well, it's true. Well, if, if this yeah, holds yeah, up, yeah. if this happens, right. then you could grow your own house. Yeah. With just, you yeah, start off with some of the, these bacteria. And the hydrogel. Yeah. yeah. Just get going. Just get it going. Just what, what, and once again, this is carbon neutral. In fact, I'm sure in some ways it's carbon negative. It's absorbing carbon in the process because that's what plant life tends to do. And yeah. so does bacteria. This and, reminds me of that uh, Star Trek episode and i'm not a big star trek fan. okay don't, don't get me wrong here. i don't know which i don't one. wear like spock ears and no i know, you know. i my, know my, f- yes. my fingers like uh live long know. and prosper live long and prosper yeah. that's it yeah. that thing <laughs> remember the trouble with tribbles yes yeah oh they, kept they had the yes. little tribbles and they kept growing and yeah. growing well, and that's growing. right and then they ran into a lot of trouble because they had tribbles everywhere <laughs> that's right I'm thinking this same thing could happen. Yeah. You know, you think, yeah. oh, great, I got a house. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you're yeah. mansionized. <laughs> right. All of a sudden, you've got an add-on, and you've yeah. got a pool area, and now suddenly, yeah. 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 And the neighbors are complaining. And the neighbors complain, your house is growing into my property now. <laughs> yeah. Stop that. Yeah. 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 Boy. Those, yeah. If this news makes you feel smarter... May I recommend a donation to KUCI? Because you are. 
Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech radio, KUCI 88.9 FM. From Science Alert. The ginkgo biloba tree can live over 1,000 years, maybe even 3,000. 3,000 years. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, a new study suggests their lifespan is theoretically unlimited. In fact, examining tissue samples from nine ginkgo trees aged up to over 600 years old, the team was unable to find any evidence of sentience or deterioration, period. So that means they didn't age. Right. And they didn't fall apart. Unlike previous studies, which have focused mainly on the ginkgo's leaves, the new research hones in on the tree's vascular cambium, a thin l- layer of tissue in the trunk that produces new bark and wood. Yeah. To figure out how the cambium changes with age, researchers examined each individual's cambium activity hormone levels, and resistance-associated genes, as well as transcription factors connected to cell death. In all the tree ages, they found no significant difference in gene activity or disease resistance. In other words, they were no matter how old it was, it was just all the same. Yeah. It seems that the vascular cambium in the ginkgo biloba can retain the capacity for continuous growth for hundreds of years or even millennia. 3,000. So imagine... 3,000 years, and they're saying it, in the right circumstances, it could just go on pretty much forever. For you out there who care about these sorts of frames of reference, when Jesus was here... Jesus. Well, imagine if when Jesus got here and he said, show me that thousand-year-old ginkgo tree. Yeah. Why is it always Jesus? Because <laughs> it's an easy frame, B.C. and yeah, D.C. or whatever stuff. it is, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that smells good. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah. Boy, I hope the next DJ and oh, that's you. <laughs> but you know, I hope we don't mess it up for the rest of the DJs no, here. No, no, that, that, uh, they're coming in here saying, "Man, that smells like Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina." <laughs> From Vice, are we getting paid by her, by the way? Because I'm figuring, you know, we need a little cut of the action. Yeah, maybe so. If we're promoting her, her candle like her this, candle vagina. I'm not suggesting you go out and buy it. No. But man. Yeah. Citrusy. From Vice, according to a new study, the world's oceans absorbed a record amount of heat last year. This is serious. This record amount of heat, it's about five Hiroshima bombs of heat every second, day and night, 365 days a year. That's just This is according to uh, John Abraham, an engineering professor specializing in thermal sciences at the University of St. Thomas in Minnesota, who co-authored the study. Well, just to back up a half a step and say that the oceans are the primary absorber of heat on our planet. They're the ones who absorb the heat, the excess heat now that we're putting out because of carbon dioxide heating of the planet from the burning of fossil fuels. The oceans are the receptor of heat for our planet. Yeah, they're getting to a tipping point where they can't absorb too much more. We don't know what that is, what that's going to look like, but at some point the ocean will not be able to absorb any more heat. So he's saying that it's the equivalent of five Hiroshima's. An atomic bomb creates a tremendous amount of heat. 
Well, five I, of those every second, every day of the year. People is, miles and miles away had their skin peeling off of right, them because right, of the right, yeah, right. because of the heat from right. that bomb. Yeah. When the ocean heats up, ice melts more quickly and water expands and takes up more space, so the sea level rises. Right. And the Newport Peninsula goes underwater. Yes, it does. Hotter oceans mean more water evaporates into the atmosphere, which creates more humidity, which can supercharge storms. Right. That's not good either. The ocean absorbs 90% of all the heat that humans are adding into the atmosphere. So what we're adding in, it's absorbing almost 100%. Also, the oceans are a more accurate way to measure how hot the world's getting than an air temperature is. Air temperature might be uh, hot one year and cooler the next, but water is more dense than air and takes longer to heat and cool, making the ocean a more stable measurement of how much the Earth is warming. And last year, during the hurricane season, we saw Hurricane Dorian, which was moving at like one mile an hour for much of the time that it was a Category 4 storm, producing an incredible amount of rain absorbing and then releasing a huge amount of water, creating a whole lot of damage. Yeah. This is really impacting us, and it's going to be devastating, Abraham said. But the other piece of it is, it's not too late to do something about it. The longer we delay, the harder and more expensive it will be. That's almost always the caveat, these people say, yeah. these scientists, which, because I think if they just went out and said, It's what, over. It's over. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Move out of Los Angeles. Yeah, exactly. Find yeah. a place in the mountains, build yourself a little bunker, and hope for the best. Yeah. I mean, what else are they going to say? But but I do believe, I take them at their word, that there is, in fact, time to turn this oh, around. Yeah. Or, yeah. It's a slow process here, Yes, but we're moving in that direction, and it's not that slow if you're talking about the life of the planet. Right. And if we start talking about investments, the real yeah. change will come when the investor class starts spending money. Which reminds me of BlackRock. Right. Uh, they at least gave lip service to that concept. That's right. Their CEO did right. this week. And they've got trillions of dollars that they can invest. So, yep. Yep. good. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9, on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com, on Twitter and Instagram at KUCI FM. Stream us live on TuneIn, or just go to KUCI.org. You can do all that stuff right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, do you like the way I teed up the next story beautifully? How that I, was good. The segue was just that's, fantastic. It's a beautiful. That's what a professional radio show sounds like. Really? I think so. I've read. From Inc.com. A new Stanford study found that the cost of revamping the world's economy to run entirely on renewable energy would be ginormous. It would be. A lot of but money. But it would pay for itself in just seven years once we got everything ramped up and running. Yeah. It would cost... $73 trillion to revamp power grids, transportation, manufacturing, and other systems to run on wind, solar, and hydropower, including enough storage capacity to keep things running overnight. That's $73 trillion bucks. But that would be offset by annual savings of almost $11 trillion, yeah. the report found. Mm-hmm. So seven years. 
Some skeptics insist that some of the required technologies to make the switch still need to be perfected. Well, okay, but still, we're going to make money, and right. in the long run, we're going to save money. It's creating new industries, which will create some job opportunities. It's also, we have to. Yeah. <laughs> That's the other part of all of this. It's not as if, boy, it'd be great to, you know, to spend my money investing in Apple back in 1994. But in this case, we're facing a situation where the ability of the planet to sustain itself, the ability of life as we know it for human civilization to continue is at risk. Well, the planet's going to be around. That's the, exactly. And chances are there'll be some people left, but there's going to be hell to pay for this. Right. From Popular Mechanics. For nearly 30 years, the world has been collecting renewable wind energy by installing giant wind turbines off shorelines anchored to the seafloor. Mm -hmm. They got them, they just had to stick them in one spot, and they just stand there, Most ir of irritating our president. I was just going to say, most of them are planted right off the coast of Scotland in order yeah. to irritate the boob-in-chief of the United States. I don't talk that way about Donald Trump. He's a fine man. He's trying the best he can. Yes, he can. Yes. Unfortunately, yeah, it's not very good. <laughs> He's a C-minus student running the country. Now we've got a new floating wind farm. Yeah. He's also crooked, too. Yeah. Like the Houston Astros. Like the Houston Astros. <laughs> but now we've got these new floating wind farms out there. Yeah, they float around. They, they move. Float. Yeah. They move with the wind. So they can change. if Donald Trump doesn't like them in front of his golf course, <laughs> they can go further out. Turnberry, by the way. Turnberry is yeah, the golf it course? Is the golf course hmm. in Scotland, yeah. So for people who are thinking about going to Scotland and thinking about playing golf, do not go to Turnberry. Yeah. Because he's crooked and stupid. It's not the first of these floating wind farms that they've developed here, but it's the biggest. Connected to the energy grid off the Portuguese coast, the turbine went online on New Year's Day and began harvesting energy the day after. I like to say harvesting. Isn't it funny that of, of all the most off-the-wall, unhinged rants of the Trump presidency, the one about wind and how yeah. he doesn't understand it, and it causes cancer and yeah. all of that stuff, is probably, it, it's in the top five of most unhinged things uh, that he's gone off about. We could go on. Yeah, we could. You think he's stupid, or do you think he thinks everyone else is? I think it's I, a little of both. I think he's ignorant. I don't know if he's stupid, because there is a certain, he has a certain talent that requires a degree of intelligence. Which well, is to well, be to well, be being, so committed to a lie. Yeah, I think that he's learned how to be so committed that it sounds like all right, maybe I'll believe it. Right. There's there's that part of it, and I think he's venal and he's greedy, and I, and he, I think he was raised in a family that has a, a long history of organized crime activity. Well, that's stupid. so so that's culture. Well, yes, I don't know why we romanticize these folk. Yeah, they're stupid. They are stupid. Yes, they're thuddingly stupid. I guess. Yeah. Stupid thugs. Okay, it's the first, this uh, floating uh, wind turbine. Mm -hmm. The first of three floating platforms that are expected to go online this year. Once all three are in place, the wind farm will be able to power 60,000 homes per year with renewable energy with its 25 megawatt capacity. That's only three of these towers, too. Right. 
By comparison, the world's largest stationary offshore wind farm has towers that reach over 328 feet, although some of that's underwater. Mm. But still, because of their buoyant architecture, wind turbines can be installed further from the shore, meaning more energy can potentially be harnessed as wind power is more plentiful out in the deep sea where winds are stronger and steadier. And they're not in the sight line of Donald Trump, (laughs) which is very important. You don't want to put anything inferior in his eyesight line like Don Jr. Yeah, I think... What, a, what an inferior product that is. No kidding. I think we don't want to put anything in his sight line that frightens him. He frightens... He, I have an idea. Yeah. Let's put a little beanie on top of with Donald the, Jr. Yeah, that looks little, like a wind turbine. The wind turbine. Yeah, maybe Don Sr. would get upset yeah. and just kick yeah. him out of the White House. Yeah. You know, what do you think? You know, they're, they're talking about this. And I, I know you're going to be upset when I bring this up, but I'm going to anyway. And that is, they're talking about Don Jr. being a candidate for president in 2024. Of course they're. Of course they're, because they're yeah. talking about the Trump dynasty. Now, you know, supposedly Melania wants a piece of that. So, Which one's she? I forget. Is she the daughter or the wife? I can't remember. Ivanka? Melanoma. Melanoma. It, that's the wife. <laughs> and Ivanka. No, that's a cancer. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. no, it, never mind. It's hard to know. <laughs> exactly. Floating offshore wind farms also don't require an expensive anchoring pad on the ocean seabed to hold it down, which can help save on upfront costs. Uh, there are drawbacks. Okay. Extra heavy-duty cables are required to fit the platforms in place and transfer the new energy through transmission cables. So you got big old cables out there. Running along the ocean floor, which is not probably good for the ocean floor. Yeah, that too. Not to mention it's a challenge to determine how to minimize movement in a floating structure. So it's it's unpredictable how this thing's going to... What uh, you could do is you could put Donald Jr. out there (laughs) with with an oar and a rowboat, Uh and when they start to move too much, you just slap him on the side of the head, and and he starts to pull it and whatever. Um, Good idea. I think he could handle that. I think he could too. So anyway, we got the waves out there. Mm -hmm. They're moving these things around. That's a problem. Yeah. But I think we can overcome this. And I'm just glad things like this are going on. Yeah, me too. Some of these technologies will work better than others, and they'll refine it, and they'll move forward. But at least we're investing in a technology that is going to be a positive for the planet moving forward. So there you go. Oh, yeah. I think I'm picking up the ambrette seed right yeah. now. Um, uh, I'm, I'm getting the tannins. And, yeah? Uh, yeah. The and tannins? The, yeah, tannins. I'm sp- Oh, Yeah. It's really, it's quite, I didn't expect this. Thank you, Gwyneth. Yeah, wow. Thank you. You know, for, she's kind of ditzy. I, no, I think that's too easy. I, I don't think okay. she's, I Too easy? I think it's too easy to say she's ditzy because she has a candle named after her vagina. I, I think that. She's an entrepreneur. She's an entrepreneur. Uh-huh. And she's figured out that you can make money. Yeah. Making candles. <laughs> yeah, selling candles <laughs> I mean, to Nathan you, Callahan. You can walk in. He'll fall exactly. for anything. You can walk into a, you know, Cost Plus and buy a dozen candles for yeah. $75. But they're not going to smell like But she's figured out a way to get you to slap down $75 for one candle. Yeah. I don't think it really smells that way, too. I think, I think it's a little bit of <laughs> false advertising. From the Washington Post, Brazil eliminated daylight savings time. They did that. Something I've been advocating for years, but apparently it's not going as well there. 
Even if it was only an hour, it messed with people's biological clocks, said President Jair Bolsonaro when he uh, signed the decision last year. But things haven't turned out quite as expected. Much of the world is increasingly considering whether it should follow Brazil's example. In the U.S., the rush is on in state houses and Congress to do away not with daylight saving time, but Nick Standard time. And the European Parliament voted last year to do away with a change of time. But many Brazilians now, months into the change, are saying, be careful what you wish for. Okay. Four in the morning and the sun is rising. I miss my deceased daylight saving time. This is one person uh, mourned on Twitter. Uh Maybe that's a bad translation. Keep in mind, right now in Brazil, it is the, the Southern Hemisphere is going through their what would be their summer. Down. Their summer. They're they're standing. So they, the sun, their yeah. toilets are circling yeah, the wrong obviously. way. Everyone yeah. knows that's true. They are going through summer, so yes, the sun is rising sooner and setting later. I never knew I liked daylight saving time until it was gone. Added someone else. Well, yeah. okay. Daylight savings got started because people enjoy having more daylight at the end of the day rather than at the beginning when it's wasted. On people who are sleeping. Exactly. That would be in the spring. And then they set back again in the fall to give children extra daylight to get to school. And also economics played a role in this. But that explanation is losing currency. It also used to be something that was good for the farmers. In addition to school kids not going to school in the dark, it would allow farmers to be I've heard that's... Is that true? Malarkey. Not true? Okay. Yeah. What drives electrical bills right now at least in the present, isn't lighting, hmm. uh, whose efficiency has greatly increased, but heating and air conditioning, which are more pricey during daylight saving time. Mm-hmm. On the negative side, there's more accidents when you have the, the change. Because of that, and my biological clock, I voted in favor of Proposition 7 here in California last year to have uniform time. Remember we did that? Yes, I do. Yeah. Now that you mentioned I forgot, but now that you mentioned it. It passed yeah. 60 to 40 yeah. and carried 51 of 58 counties. Okay. That's a big majority there. Yeah. It still needs to be approved by the state legislature and the federal government. You know, the state has to come up with a plan and then they send it to the feds and they decide if we can do it. But keep in mind, if we have uniform time in Southern California, sometimes sunrise would be at 8 in the morning. I think the problem is, is we don't like living in the place that we're living in just because of the way the sun operates and the way we have business constructed. I can tell you from my own experience of having to drive into Los Angeles and when we go to the spring forward in, uh-huh. you know, in April, I believe is when the time changed, that was brutal. So yeah. I was getting up an hour early and I was already getting up at five in the morning to get to work on time. and. That was those couple maybe month or so was absolutely brutal for that. You so. always go to the top shelf, don't you? Brutal, like what? What happened? It, well, well, I'm Did telling you, have you, scars? No, I'm bruised? Well, no, I'm telling you, I was I I have a hard time getting more than five hours of sleep yeah, anyway. It was, it was tough, and so all of a sudden I'm getting four hours. Of a sleep. little tough on the poor. Okay, Mike. it was, it okay. was. I had to but, take I had to take more drugs. Wow. Yeah, but keep in mind. Yeah, that it's probably going to be some other thing that bothers you about having no, I'm, standard time all the time. I don't have to drive to L anymore, so I'm, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, it, it's what's... No, but I mean, think of it not just about yourself, well, that's but how for I'm, anybody <laughs> driving into L.A. at that time, yeah. even if they didn't have the change of time, yeah. 
there would be something else to of complain course, about if you had standard time all the time. No, I, I, I'm with so you. I, you. I figured the only thing we can do is either to link our clocks to the sun. <laughs> Why not just have a different time system where yeah. there's sunrise? You get up. You have to go to work at one hour past sunrise or two hours past sunrise, right. whatever they want right. to choose. Or we can all move to the equator. <laughs> from the Los Angeles Times, or from Los Angeles Times... You know, I always try and avoid that mm-hmm. to say it's from proper. the the Los Angeles Times. It's like the little, little La Brea tar pits. It's, you know, La Brea means tar, so you're saying the the tar tar <laughs> pits. It's crazy. In the U.S., a legion of administrative healthcare workers and health insurance employees to play no direct role in providing patient care costs every American man, woman, and child an average of $2,497 per year. That's administrative cost. Yeah. That's just administrative. Okay. Across the border in Canada, where a single-payer system has been in place since 1962, the cost of administering health care is just $551 per person. That's less than a quarter as much. But I love my administrator, who I pay $2,500 a year to... You're being facetious, Mike. I know. Canadians don't worry about co-payments or deductibles or making sense of hospital bills, and they don't fear losing their health care coverage. Wait times for specialist care and some diagnostic imaging are often criticized as too long, but a 2007 study by Canada's Health Authority and the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention found the overall health of Americans and Canadians is roughly the same. Some Canadians purchase private supplemental insurance whose cost is regulated. Outpatient medications are not included in the government plan, but aside from that, coverage of medically necessary services is assured from cradle to grave in Canada. The cost of administering this system amounts to 17% of Canada's national expenditures on health. In the U.S., that's twice as much here. 34% goes to salaries, marketing budgets, and executive pay packages, which for five major health care insurers, this reaches close to $20 million or more a year for these uh, execs. It's got to be more than $20 million. For each one. For each one. Oh, yeah, for, oh, for, okay. the, for, for the managers one. of their right. plans. As I heard from Senator Sanders, these companies made over $100 billion yeah, yeah. in profit last year. And their upper management's hauling in $20 million just per. to manage this stuff. Right. And money goes to rising profits demanded by shareholders. Exactly. You got that relationship there. Right. Compared to 1999, the cost of administering health care insurance have grown in both countries, but the increase has been much steeper in the U.S., where a growing number of public insurance programs have increased their reliance on commercial insurers to manage government programs such as Medicare and Medicaid. As a result, overhead charges by private insurers surged more than any other category of expenditure. One other area in which the private health care industry is at the public trough is in the Veterans Administration. The Trump administration has been very aggressive in trying to essentially turn the VA into a private health care system, driving up costs. The U.S. is currently wasting at least $600 billion on health care paperwork, money that could be saved by going to a simple Medicare for all system. That sum would be more than enough to extend coverage to the nation's uninsured. Uh, yes, Mahler. 
He likes that smell too. He's dancing around the candle. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Good oh, yeah. one. Yeah. From the New York Times by Daniel J. Levith, Levitin, who's a neuroscientist. He says, uh, short-term memory loss is thought of as a classic problem of aging, but as a neuroscientist, Levitin knows that the problem is not necessarily age-related. Short-term memory contains the contents of your thoughts right now. That's what it contains. Huh? Right now. You always do that. Every time I mention memory, you go, huh? Jeez. Anyway, short-term memory contains the contents of your thoughts right now. Huh? Including what you intend to do in the next few seconds. Short-term memory is easily disturbed or disrupted. Our ability to automatically restore the contents of the short-term memory declines slightly with every decade after 30. So, you know, yours is declined. Yeah. Definitely. A little bit. Yeah. But after 30, it does. This is just a normal thing. Yeah. But age is not the major factor so commonly assumed. The relevant difference in is not age, but rather how we describe these events, the stories we tell ourselves about them. 20-year-olds don't think, holy it's... crap, this must be early onset Alzheimer's. Right. They think, I shouldn't be sleeping just two hours a night. Yes. I that... think. The 70-year-old observes these same events and worries about their brain health. Yes. That's not to say that Alzheimer's and dementia-related memory impairments aren't real, but every lapse of short-term memory doesn't necessarily indicate a biological disorder. Right. In the absence of brain disease, even the oldest adults show little or no cognitive or memory decline beyond the age of 85 and 90, and that was shown in a 2018 study. Memory impairment is not inevitable. Some aspects of memory actually get better as we age. For example, our ability to extract patterns, regularities, and to make accurate predictions improves over time because we've had more experience. So if you want your x-ray, you know, mm. somebody to read it for you, mm -hmm. you'd want a 70-year-old person rather than a 30-year-old person. Someone who has more of a database. Yeah. Yeah. There's a generalized cognitive slowing with age, but given a little more time, older adults perform just fine. Older adults have to search through more memories than do younger adults to find the fact or piece of information they're looking for. Amen. I've always said yeah. that. Yeah, I've always said that. It's yeah. like your brain gets crowded. Yes, it does. Your as, brain... as, your, as these thoughts travel through the corridors of your brain trying to figure out which, which aisle to go down to, yeah. to pull this information out, there's more there to, to look at. And if you want to keep your mind young, just experience new things. Yes. That doesn't mean you have to do new things, right. I think. It just means you have to look at them in a new light. Yes, I agree. Uh, you know what I've discovered in the last hour? What's that, Nathan? I really like the scent of Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina. It's, it's delightful. It's refreshing. And finally, I think the theme of the show has been... Uh, Sense. Yes. Yeah. Sense. Yes. yes. We're trying to make sense. And and uh, and finally, yeah. after returning from their honeymoon, a couple in Atlanta discovered that a squirrel had fallen down their chimney and trashed their home, <laughs> causing $15,000 in damage. So they called their insurance company. Unfortunately, their insurance did not cover squirrel damage. <laughs> You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.